Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Well, good morning, ACF Church. Give yourselves a hand. You made it in the snow and the ice. I'm so glad you guys are here. Please keep it going as we welcome those who are watching online. We just want to say what an honor it is to have you join with us and be part of this larger body of Christ as we learn more about God. So my name is Angela, and Pastor Brian asked if I would share this week as we continue in our series that we've entitled Civil War. If you remember last week, we learned about what is important is being on God's side. Not that God join us on our side, but that we are on God's side, and that we don't have to believe something different. We don't have to compromise what we believe just to love other people like Jesus loved them. And what's important is we have that empathy, right? That we enter in and we really feel what others are feeling. And we have the perfect example in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, who is God, stepped out of heaven. He took on flesh so that he could share and he could join in our pain. Because sadly, in this world, we are going to have pain. We're going to have trouble. But you know what? With Jesus, we can overcome. Amen. And so that's where we're going to stay. We're going to stay in Jesus today as we move into this week that we have entitled Friendly Fire. Hooray! Friendly Fire. How do we respond when the people who are closest to us hurt us? What do we do when the people that we expect, you're on my team, yay, you've got my back, and you let me down? Now what? How do we move forward, and how do we walk in the light in these kind of relationships? So please bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, we do just thank you that you are here and that you are above all. I thank you, God, that you see and know every single situation and every circumstance. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, and I just ask for him to open our hearts and our minds as we are taught from you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. Amen. So friendly fire. According to the wonderful world of Wikipedia, friendly fire is defined as an attack by a military force on one's own forces while attempting to attack the enemy either by misidentifying the target as hostile or due to errors or inaccuracy. So it's an attack on one's own force, by one's own force, while attempting to attack the enemy. Can you think of people in your life that, again, yay, you should be on the same team that I'm on. Like, maybe it's our husband or our wife. Maybe it's parents or children, someone at work, maybe your best friend. These are the people that should be fighting with us, right? And not fighting against us. And I think that's why it hurts so much. 
Even back in the definition, it says that troops expect to be targeted by the enemy. But being hit by their own forces has a huge negative impact on both morale and performance. We expect to be targeted by those who don't know us, by those who we don't have a relationship with, right? And I think at least for me, it's easier to let those things go. Well, they didn't really understand, they didn't know where I was coming from, so, you know, not such a big deal. But to be hit by the people that know us, that love us, that we're supposed to be on the same team. My family and I moved to Alaska in December of 2009, courtesy of the United States Army. Cool, yes. My husband had just uh, redeployed from a year-long tour in Afghanistan, and during that time, the kids and I were living with my mom and dad in sunny, warm, beautiful Northern California. At that time, our daughter was 14 years old and our son was 11. So they had just started high school. They had just started junior high. They had their friends and they had their activities and their sports and everything was going well. And we said, come with us to a place called Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Did I mention it was sunny and warm in California? Oh, and get this, the day that we stepped on the ferry to come north, Christmas Day. Oh, you guys got empathy, way to go. <laughs> Needless to say, my kids were not happy, especially my daughter. Again, here's someplace warm and sunny and you have friends and you're starting to fit in. Come with us to a place that is cold, that is dark, that you don't know anyone. I remember her coming home from school that very first day in January. No joke, she looked me straight in the face and she said, I am never talking to you again. And with that, she walked down the hall, went into a room and shut the door. And she didn't talk to me for a very long time. I don't remember exactly how long it was, but I know that it felt like an eternity. It was absolutely horrible. I wasn't the enemy, I knew that, but in her eyes, I absolutely was. So she fired at me by not speaking, by not doing what I asked her to do, by not joining in to family fun. She'd roll her eyes and shrug her shoulders. I'm sure no one understands that, right? <laughs> so you know what I did? Oh, I fired right back. Absolutely, I did not enter into what she was feeling. I expected her to be like me. I expected her to just let it go, to just move on, you're fine, snap out of it, nothing's wrong. We were in this vicious cycle of putting ourselves first. In marriage, you might have heard it referred to as the love and respect cycle, right? That women need love and men need respect. But in order for a woman to give respect, she needs to feel that love. And in order for a man to give that love, he needs to feel respected. This vicious cycle of putting ourselves first. Well, I have a very wise friend and she told me once that if you are the one to recognize that cycle, then you are the one that needs to break it. Ugh, I don't like that at all because I am selfish and I want my own way and I get very tired of having to be the one that is always giving in. I don't like that at all. But you know what, Jesus knows. He absolutely knows. He gave up himself. 
He gave up everything so that he could enter in, so that he could strengthen us, and so that he could redeem us. And it's my job to focus on him. Now, I also served in the Army for eight years. Um, I was four years on active duty and four years in the reserves, so I love acronyms. That is how I learn. That is how I grasp a concept, how it makes sense. And so for me, that acronym FOCUS is to fix our core upon the Savior. I have to fix, I have to stay, I have to remain, I have to abide, I have to dwell. My core, everything about me, what I think, what I speak, what I do, I have to fix my core upon the Savior, upon Jesus Christ, who is the author, who is the perfecter of my faith. Because you know what? He also endured friendly fire. And so if I want to endure friendly fire, I have to look to him. Turn with me now to John chapter 15. Um, If you have a Bible, you can open there. You can follow along on the screen behind me. All the verses will be posted. Also, um, if you don't have a Bible, please take the one that's in the seat in front of you. Write your name in it. It is yours. John chapter 15. Now in this chapter, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He is talking to his closest of closest friends. And this is what he says. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Basically what Jesus is telling his friends is, listen, life is tough. And it's about to get even tougher People are going to say things, people are going to do things, and you are not going to know what to say or where to run, but he says, stay close to me. Even that word remain, in some translations, it's abide, and it means to fix, to dwell, to stay. But my favorite definition is to be held continually. Let Jesus be the one to hold you because he will give you what you need to endure friendly fire because he himself endured friendly fire. There was a group of people in Jesus' time and they were called Pharisees. And these Pharisees, they were a strict group of religious Jews that advocated this minute obedience to following the letter and the law and the traditions But they rejected seeing Jesus as the Messiah because he didn't follow their traditions. He also had a habit of hanging out with some pretty nasty people. They didn't like that. Now among these Pharisees, there was even another group called the teachers of the law or the scribes. And basically these guys were professional interpreters of the law. It was their job day in and day out to study the book and to see 
But sadly, their hearts were hardened to the fact that Jesus actually came to fulfill the law. If you think about it, these guys should have been Jesus' biggest supporters. They should have been the ones that said, hey, guess what, you guys? We study this book day in and day out, and they point to Jesus. He's the one. He's the Messiah. But they weren't. Their hearts were hardened to who the real enemy was. What causes us to lose sight of who the real enemy is? Is it pride? Maybe it's fear or guilt, shame. Maybe it's stress at work. Maybe it's having kids or maybe it's not having kids. Maybe it's an illness or a death. Whatever it is, we have to properly identify the enemy. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 7. Now, there's a lot of times in the Bible when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come to question Jesus, but I was drawn to this example in particular because I like the way Jesus responds, and I think that we can learn a lot by how he speaks the truth in love, by how he reminds them that, guess what, you're not in charge and you don't have the accurate perspective, and then he also establishes these boundaries. Also in this passage, you will hear a word that says ask. They ask him a question. In the original Greek, that word means to accost with an inquiry. So they weren't just coming to ask him a question. They were coming to challenge him. They were coming to confront him. Can you think of a time in your life, again, when the people that should be on your team and fighting with you, instead they come to challenge you? Now, I want to be very clear that I am not talking about when I'm doing something wrong because there's absolutely a time and a place for that. But Jesus is doing nothing wrong and still he is being challenged. Now, I know now that my mother-in-law uh, didn't mean anything ill by what she did. Um, I know that she had the best of intentions, but when my husband and I were newly married, um, I didn't have that relationship with her to fully understand what she was doing or what she was saying. Um, and so after about two and a half years, my husband and I had been married, and much to our surprise and well ahead of my plan, we became a family of three. And we were still both on active duty, we were stationed in Germany, and it was pretty shocking to have to learn how to adjust to each other as well as adjust to this new life that all this new life wanted to do was cry and eat and cry and eat. No sleep, just cry and eat. That's all she wanted to do. So uh, about two weeks Later, after our daughter was born, my mother-in-law and her mother decided it would be a beautiful time for a visit to come and help us. Again, my husband was getting ready to deploy for who knows how long, so she thought that she could come and give us some rest and let us, you know, try to work things out together. And in her wisdom, she decided that our two-week-old daughter needed a bite of cheesecake to help her sleep. Ah, right. So you guys have done the new parent thing, haven't you? You guys have read everything there is to read, and you know that the last thing that you do is you introduce a two-week-old to sweets. Because if you do, they're never going to eat vegetables, they're never going to have a balanced meal. 
I was livid. I could not believe it. Oh my goodness. Talk about feeling challenged. I was already you know, just trying to figure out how I could impress her. And I was struggling with having her there. I was struggling with those things. And, and then for her to do that. Yes. Mark chapter 7. <laughs> the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He, Jesus, replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God, and you're holding on to the traditions of men. Do you see how Jesus responds to friendly fire? How he speaks the truth in love. They have to go hand in hand. You're probably saying, um, I'm pretty sure he just called them hypocrites. Sometimes the most loving thing that we can do is be told the truth of the situation. But he also reminds them, you know what? You're not in charge. You don't have the accurate perspective. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Only God knows. Only he is the accurate judge. Only he has the right perspective. He is the master. What was, what was their motive for speaking did they really have Jesus' best interest in mind? Sadly, I have to be reminded of this more often than I would like to admit. Uh, I know that my words can both build up as well as tear down. I read in Proverbs the fact that in the tongue has the power of life and death and that reckless words can pierce like a sword. Who do I target with my words? Who do I target with my actions. As I was transitioning from being a soldier into a, the civilian world, I was very blessed to have a lady come alongside me and mentor me as both a wife and a mom. And I remember her very clearly asking, because she knew that uh, I'd had a tendency to uh, not always use kind words. Maybe I didn't always have a great tone when I spoke. And she asked me, you know, Angela, who gets the glory when you speak to your husband and your kids? Do you or does God? And so I said, it depends. <laughs> I said, it depends on what they say and what they do to me first. It depends on if I've had a nap or if I've had a snack. It absolutely depends. But I knew what she meant. Ugh, I knew what she meant. She meant, I am not in charge. And you know what? My family, they're not the enemy. The enemy is a thief who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. 
The enemy prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. My family, we're on the same, same team. So when Jesus responds to friendly fire, he speaks the truth in love. He reminds them that, guess what? You don't have the accurate perspective. But then he also establishes these boundaries. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and you're holding on to the traditions of men. There's a line here and you have crossed it. In the military, we call those ROE, right? Our rules of engagement. We have to establish boundaries and guidelines. And even when we go back to the definition of friendly fire, it says that avoiding friendly fire can be as straightforward as ensuring fire discipline is instilled in troops so that they fire and they cease fire when they're told to. They make tactical adjustments using what are called kill boxes. And basically those are zones that are placed off limits to ground forces when the aircraft or the artillery is attacking targets. What that means for us is that we also, in our relationships, we have to establish guidelines. It has to go both ways. We have to remember we're on the same team. Now, I'm not gonna go into this too much. I'm just wetting your whistle because next week, Pastor Brian is gonna talk more about conflict and about conflict resolution because conflict isn't bad. It's gonna happen. But how do we establish these guidelines so that we can speak the truth in love to each other? Where I want us to stay is in the fact that we have the perfect example of Jesus. That he spoke the truth in love. That he reminds us that we don't have the proper perspective. And then he establishes these boundaries and these guidelines because he also endured friendly fire. And he didn't just endure friendly fire from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But he also endured friendly fire from his closest of closest friends. In Mark chapter 14, we read about the fact that Jesus is sitting at a table and he is having his last meal with his friends and he's sitting with the one who would later betray him and have him arrested. He has a conversation with Peter face to face. Peter looks him in the face and says, you know what, Jesus? Man, even if everybody else deserts you, you know what? I'm staying with you. I'm not going anywhere. And everybody else, yeah, Jesus, me too, me too. They all chime in. But we know as we read later in that chapter, verse 50, after Jesus is arrested, it says, then everyone deserted Jesus and fled. Everyone. Jesus has been in the trenches. He knows what friendly fire felt like, but he also knows where to remain. So again in John chapter 15, this time starting at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Remain in Jesus just like he remained in his father. I cannot produce anything of lasting value on my own. I can't try hard enough, nothing, unless I stay connected to the true vine. Because if I don't, I am gonna sabotage the ones that I love time and time again. This freedom that I seek during friendly fire is only found when I surrender to the one who gave his life. Just like he as well, the only way that he found freedom is by surrendering to his father. When he was praying in the garden, he says, not my will, but yours be done. And then later, as he's hanging on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew complete torture and total pain. He knew friendly fire, but he also knew his father. And finally he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As believers, we have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. And this life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and delivered himself up for us. Ephesians 5.21 says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that is my closing prayer for us. Please bow with me. God's surrender is not easy at all. But help us, God, to know that the only way that we will have freedom is when we surrender to you. Thank you, God, that you don't leave us to figure this out on our own, that you have given us the perfect example of Jesus Christ, and that through him and through the power of your Holy Spirit that we can have the discipline and we can have the power that we need to fight alongside each other and not against each other. God, we just ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you help us stay connected to the true vine so that in all things we can have your perspective and not our own. In Jesus' name, amen.